Blog Talk Radio. Life. Are you growing with it or feeling left out? Either way or in between, you're in the right place today with the host of Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, Jillian. She's an award-winning author and radio personality. She's warm, she's fuzzy, and she's got an attitude. and welcome to Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. Well, we're on the other side of Thanksgiving 2013. I hope that you all had a gracious and safe one and a calm one at that. (laughs) You never know. It's somewhat unpredictable when we get to the holidays. Everybody has that anxious feeling of, is it going to be good? Is the turkey going to be done? Is the food going to be wonderful? So I hope you had a nice, quiet, and predictable Thanksgiving You know, I had all intentions of rerunning my show that I did from Amcor Wat in Cambodia last August. And for those of you that don't know, Amcor Wat is, um, it's like um, the Asian version of the pyramids and it's a very spiritual place and it has a lot of Buddhism and Hinduism and all these different kind of graphics. It's been there for thousands of years. It's such a powerful place to go to. I know a lot of Americans don't know about it or aren't aware of it, so if you have a chance, you should go. But I did a show from live from Cambodia when I was there. So I went to lay down for a short nap. <laughs> I ended up sleeping straight through it, and I think I got up at like 2 o'clock when our turkey was done. So I apologize for the minor glitch for those of you that were interested in listening to that show again, but you can always go back to the podcast, I believe it's August of 2012, look on Change Already, Blog Talk Radio, or or iTunes, or you can go to my website, JillianMossBackman.com. So I'm going to have to take us back a couple weeks, skip back a couple weeks, and talk about the guest I had, Jill Angelo was a really good show as usual. I just love my guests. They are just so wise and expert, and I love asking lots of questions. So it's a nice mixture when you find someone that knows what they're doing and they're willing to share anything and everything. You know those experts that kind of hold back? Jill Angelo is one of those kind of experts that wants people to get into the grace of what she's doing, which is your space of grace. And she was chatting about her new book, Sacred Spaces. On that show, she shared a lot of expertise of how we actually neglect our places in our homes. And I really liked her analogy of the exercise equipment. And on that show, she talked about how we use those exercise equipments for laundry holders. <laughs> I'm putting my hand up. You can't see it, but, you know, how many of us have had that exercise equipment? And, by gosh, today we're going to do it. But it keeps, you know, holding things like clothes and coats and things like that. And then you get this horrible feeling about yourself every time you pass it. Talking on air about how unconsciously that makes an impression on how we feel not only about ourselves, but the home for which we live in. And she talked about how either get rid of it or move it to a place where you don't have to see it every day. 
and we don't throw things upon it to make ourselves feel worse about it. And she really gave us some really cool creative visual activities that we could do on our own that's actually in her book. And it was fun to see how the things that she was telling us to do about sacred space, jogging thoughts in my own head about the things that I do in my office and in my home and, quite frankly, in my car, and how we really need to take a look at the sacred spaces that we call our own and the little few things that we can make it a blissful place rather than such a heavy place. Well, I want to go back and revisit that idea of sacred space. And, of course, you can go back and listen to Jill's show, which was two weeks ago, on sacred spaces. But I want to talk about that moving forward into the holidays. Jill did a good job on on talking about the sacred and talk about the holidays and how sacred space can be changed and really the energy be moved through a space, especially when you have a lot of people coming into your house that you may not normally have. The analogy I want to use here is those haunted houses shows. We've all seen them, or maybe you're one of those kind of people out there that really get off on going to haunted houses and see if you can feel the energy. Do you just get a kick out of those people? It's like they really want to go there, and then the minute they feel something or they experience something or they see something out of the corner of the eye, they just freak out and don't want to do it anymore. I find that so odd that people would put themselves through that. But I want to extrapolate that idea to explain to you in a very exaggerated way how people and energy in sacred spaces, homes, haunted houses, hotels, every person has an energy. And I talk about this constantly But what's amazing to me is that people just don't, the reality of how much energy a person can bring into another space and then they leave those remnants of energy behind. That's what I want to talk about and specifically about Thanksgiving and the holidays to come. If we understand the concept of energy as in this realm of people coming into your sacred space. You've got to think about who's coming over. You know, are, when you think about them, do you feel good? Do you not feel good? Do you feel apprehensive? It's unbelievable how a person, just the idea of an energy of a person coming into your house can have such a huge effect on our own psyche and feeling and outcome of where we're going. So here's the suggestion I want to talk to you about, about sacred space and rebound a little bit on what Jill was saying. If we believe that each person carries energy on this planet, think about the people you just had in your house for Thanksgiving. Who came to your house? Were you looking forward to them coming and having the company in your house or were you dreading the presence of this particular person or people in your sacred space. So think about the actual day and the event. Was it filled with laughter? Did you have a lot of fun? Did you share good memories? 
was it filled with storytelling and thanksgiving from past and that you just enjoyed the moment and really had a good time? Or were you all geared up with tension and you just knew that you were putting suits of armor on, going into battle almost, with rivals in your family or friends, and then before they even got there, you got in this frame of mind that you're going to expect the worst. And usually what happens, isn't it, we always get the worst when the day is out. All I'm talking about is how the energy lingers out of sight and it goes into the corners and crevices of our sacred home long after these people are gone. So I want to talk about how we can get rid of the holiday Thanksgiving. And when I say get rid of, I'm not talking about getting rid of the memory. I'm talking about neutralizing and claiming our sacred space back for ourselves. So the first order of business is to say to yourself, I'm grateful and thankful for the Thanksgiving of 2013. Visualize it as a book a chapter in a book, and that you've just basically closed that chapter for the year. Irregardless of whether it was a happy memory or a sad memory, you want to see it completed from beginning to end. The next thing you want to do is you want to start cleaning out the stale energy of the Thanksgiving vibes that were left behind. Again, we're not putting a judgment call on whether it was good or bad. We just want to think about getting that thought and energy and that part of the book out of our lives. What you can do here is you want to start cleaning. For all those cleaning buffs out there, cleaning is a natural process that we do to move the chi and the energy in our homes in a different direction. And in this part, we want to expel and get the energy out. So you want to clean very well. And while you're doing that, light some candles. They can be any color candles. I know people get caught up in candles. But if you've got some white ones, put some white ones. If you've got pink and blue and yellow, why don't you just put a a culmination of candles all over your house, especially in the kitchen where everybody seems to eat. The next thing you want to do is open the windows if you can and see all of this energy going out. You might want to add some and add some incense in there and just say a thankfulness for the event that occurred. You want to see that invisible energy moving out of the spaces and send it away with peace and love in your heart, no matter what happened or transpired. So that's step one. Step two, we want to bring in the energy for even better holidays that are coming ahead. We, we're in a holiday season, we're at the beginning of December, and there's lots of things that happen between now and the... So you want to, again, set your mind straight and assume that you're going to have the best time of holidays you've ever had in your life. Even those that annoy you and get under your skin every year, assume the position energetically this year that it's going to be different. And it may not be different on their behalf, but it's different on your behalf because your sacred space is going to energetically back you up with light and love. So once you've finished your first step, you want to close the whole process off with this. Again, while the candles and incense are still lit, visualize how you want it to go down this year. 
picture in your mind's eye of everybody getting along. At least they're not quarreling <laughs> or trying to set people up or saying the inappropriate things that some people always do. Really get quiet and see a picture of joy and happiness in everyone's face. The next thing you want to do is when the visitors come to your place, you want to contain the energy. That's part of the things that people don't do is that shut off all the locations where you don't want the energy to go during the holiday parties people are in the house, whether that's your bedrooms, your bathrooms, your basement, anything that you feel that the energy doesn't need to go to. The less the energy travels, the more impact, the less impact it will have on your life. It's easier to handle a smaller cheese space instead of all over the house randomly. You really want to start sending out vibrations before the people come in your house of calm, collaborative efforts. There's cohesion between all your visitors. And most of all, you want to have peace within yourself as the host. You want to walk through your house and visualize all of this. The last suggestion I have is watch this. You want to visualize every wind, every doorway that people are going to come in, whether that's through the garage door, the front door, the back door. I want you to visualize in your mind eye a sheer pane of glass window of white. And every time a person passes through this entryway, it's as though the glass and the sheer white is just giving them a jolt of happiness. And if they can't handle happiness, because a lot of people don't like to be happy nowadays, visualize neutrality. Before they even start the festivities in your house, it's like they go through this vortex of energy that you've helped create with your sacred space and your own energy. You want to set up the furniture as best you can, facing the light in any direction for which it is. So you want some of the chairs going towards the windows. Open up all the drapes, open up all the blinds, and let as much sunshine through as you can. Now, I can't tell you that this is going to stop people from being naughty than more regular or that something worse is going to happen. But what I can tell you is that you will at least have your sacred space in control of your own chi and the energy that you set along with the table that you're setting, which will allow the festivities to be in celebration rather than clarity and neutra un instead of something else you're not wanting at your place. After the break, I want to talk about something that happened to me this last couple months. I was lost one of my significant mentors and spiritual advisor, and he's been in my life for about 15 years and quite significant on the teachings that I have been sharing with the world now for a long time. I want to talk about how that reflects in the holiday season and how most of you probably have the same kind of mentors that you've lost in your life. We'll talk about that right after this break. Mm -hmm. 
Welcome back to Change Already with Jillian. We were talking in the first segment about sacred space and identity in your own home and the sacredness of a house and home. And go back and listen to Jill Angela. She had a great suggestion. She's got a wonderful book out. I want to tell you the rest of my schedule for the rest of the year so you'll be up to date with what I'm going through and what we're going to go through together to get through the holidays, and I'm assuming the best. Let's say that. Next, year, next week, for the next two weeks, I'm going to have my guest, Dr. Corian, with America, uh, AwareMed. I can never say that. There's certain words that just roll through my tongue, and I just can't get them right. If you've been paying attention, I've been one of her featured guests on her television show with Fox for the last couple months. I really enjoy what she has to say, and it's so wonderfully calm and genuine and authentic. I'm really having a good time working with her. I want her to come on and chat with us about holiday overeating uh, and how not to fall into the common trap of holiday addiction. She's an authority on both of those, and I think she can really add to a lot uh, to get, help us get through this year in a different direction. And then the last week I want to talk about my own 2014 intuitive predictions. This is usually the favorite show that I do throughout the year, and I write a blog post, and that blog post goes up on Time Up, Time's Up website and also my own for several weeks. And in that blog post, I really talk about a theme for the year and some ideas and suggestions intuitively of what people should be concentrating on for 2014. You know, I talk a lot throughout the year about that theme. And so for 2014, we'll be talking about the physical world in particular. And my book, Beyond the Pews, Breaking with Tradition and Letting Go of Religious Lockdown, is now on Kindle. I know a lot of you have been asking about it. It was and then it wasn't. It was a computer glitch inside of it. But it's a great Christmas present for Christmas gifts or any other kind of holiday gifts. Now you can get it through Amazon and other outlets as well. This time of year becomes so reflective, doesn't it? I mean, it just comes reflective by default, I suppose. And in those reflections, we really start thinking about people we've lost over our lifetime and the impact that they've left on our souls. I think it's a part of the brain process that we do because we don't want to forget them because they've made such an impact on our lives. And yet we want to keep that memory going, and especially if they were such good influences and mentors towards our own wellness. Well, I've been in that mood lately because in October, I lost one of my significant spiritual advisors, and his name was Swami Mohan Das. And he's in Chapter 10 of my book, and I've been with him now for about 15 years. I really don't talk much about him because he's the kind of spiritual teacher that's very humble, and he really taught me to keep my ideas and thoughts to as my own and that he was an interaction between the two of us on a common ground and he would express what he felt and then he encouraged me and expected me to go and think through and add my own spiritual thoughts 
to it for a while. So it's taken me a little bit to get to the idea that he is no longer a part of the human race, even though he was 94, 96. He's a spiritual teacher that I met again over 15 years ago, and he is from India. And I sat with him as much as humanly possible because when you meet one of those kind of people, and I hope that each one of you do, their impact in your life is so significant and you hang on every word. So when I heard that he had passed, it kind of took my breath away and my first thought was, now what do I do? (laughs) Now what am I going to do to continue to grow in my own spiritual questioning the mysteries that we are all involved with? And it's really hard to narrow down the conversation because there were so many, but I'm going to try to narrow it down if you'll take the liberty and just listen for a few minutes of how some of the events that went through me, and hopefully you can glean something from that yourself. I met him years ago through a mutual friend of mine, and we had a first-time meeting to sit down, and the first time I was just so enamored with him because he wears his entire garb. He has a Hindu background. And for some of you, that's not accustomed to something you've seen in your life. It really takes you back and you really have trouble just getting past what he looks like and the words that he's saying. And he didn't speak English, so I needed an interpreter most of the time. But the one thing that really struck me when I met him were these blue eyes. His eyes were almost white in color. And the compassion and the love and the tone for which he talked was so significant. It would draw you in with every word he said. But the part I liked the most about him was that he was very poignant and he was very cooperative in asking any question that I wanted I could ask him. He didn't put me down or he didn't ask me why I was asking that. He would take any question from any person that I ever saw with such love and grace. And he worked very hard to make sure that he answered the question that you asked. So when I saw him a couple years ago, the first question I asked him, of course, was about the Earth's prediction of the end of the earth on December 21st, 2012. Well, he tried not to laugh, (laughs) and he caught himself because he could tell that I was dead serious about wanting to know his answer. And he told me a long dissertation, which I love to listen to, but there was one or two statements that really caught my eye and my tone, and I zoned in on The lasting comment that he made on the end of the earth was this, and I promised him I would share it with him when the time was right, told me that this world would never come to an end as long as there was just one man or woman still speaking and uttering the name of God. Well, as you can tell, I didn't say anything past that because it was very, it was right to the point and it made a lot of sense to me. The second part came from a dissertation that he gave to his followers in 2011 in Toronto, Canada, where I was. 
he specifically talked about the two most important virtues that each person must obtain in order to have true happiness as a human being. You could tell at this point he knew that his life was coming to an end because the words were so graphic and they told the story of a legacy of a man that really wanted people to really get not his words but the message that he had worked his entire 94 years for people to get and this is what he told the crowd an aspirant's whole life can be summed up in these two words passion outside and contentment inside like two arms of the waiting scale. If you're compassionate towards others but have no contentment within, then you can be a social reformer or even an activist, but you will never be a dharmic, which is a word for one following eternal, internal truth. If you have contentment but you have no compassion for others, then you're like a dead priest and your entire life will be wasted. I had to sit with that for a long time and I hope that you really listen to the words that he gave all of us for us to remember. He talked about compassion on the outside and contentment on the inside. And only once we followed these two paths that intersect and parallel with each other on a constant basis will be able to find true happiness. His last part was, it was only through constant practice, and in his case, meditation and prayer, and letting go of our own human ego that we would be able to achieve both of these in one lifetime. He touched thousands of lives through India and Canada and Europe and in America. My hope is that we continue on his messages and share the truth that he expected all of us to live in. I'm going to be writing a blog more about some of the words that he left behind, and there's lots of videos on YouTube if you're interested in looking at them. But the wonderful thing about him is that he changed lives Yes, by word, but more importantly, by presence. I'm so blessed that I have him and had the chance to be a part of his life for 15 years. My only hope for the rest of you is that you ask Spirit to bring you your own Swami Mohan Das that's right and willing to be your teacher as he was for mine. And then we both and all of us can find the compassion and contentment that Swami Mohandas constantly was telling us to seek for each one of ourselves, our children, and hopefully for the rest of the world. I want you to remember these words as we go into the holiday season. We may not have both, but aspire to be one, and eventually the other will follow. I'll see you next week, same time, same place, Blog Talk Radio, with my guest, Dr. Akori, talking about holiday overeating. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. 
you can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before, just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already. <laughs> 